Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. I'm 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 in I'm I'm in, I'm I'm in the group that believes that Kobe's one of the three greatest players of all time. I've stated my position on this many many times. Now. The reason I feel that is for uh, uh, there are a bunch of reasons why I feel that actually. Number one um, is because of his accomplishments, is because of the road that he had to take to accomplish the things that he accomplished, and also is because of his basketball game. Just watching him play the sport, I take all of these things into consideration. Right, um, Kobe Bryant was the best player I ever saw play basketball. Now, I never got a chance to see Michael Jordan in his prime because I wasn't old enough. But in terms of players that I've watched since then till now, in my personal opinion, that's the best. I watched everybody and I was saying to myself, I'm like, yo, bro, how can somebody did how can somebody be this good at this sport? I mean, Kobe would do things and you're like, but this is incredible. Like you're looking at it and you're like, but this is actually incredible, right? Absolutely incredible, like mind-bogglingly good. Like it's crazy uh, how good that guy was, and um, his level of creativity um, on the court is absolutely incredible. Now, as you guys know, Kobe Bryant did have a a bunch of um, NBA players that kind of tried to patent their game after him, and he had kind of like disciples, Kobe disciples, if you want to say it that way. Um, and the disciples were just a list, just just a list of few. You had uh, Demar Derozan. If you look at DeMar DeRozan's game, he tried to patent it after Kobe to the extent of like ensuring that he perfected the mid-range. DeMar DeRozan is one of the greatest mid-range shooters of all time. You have DeMar DeRozan. Uh, you have Kawhi Leonard. I actually just saw a piece yes, uh, yesterday on ESPN that was released um, three weeks or so ago where they were discussing this, how Kawhi Leonard patented his jump shot after Kobe Bryant and he was working with Kobe. That's why if you look at Kawhi Leonard's basketball game prior to 2015, 2014, 15, when he started working with Kobe and you look at him after, you will see that his play style totally changed. And I think is when Kawhi's offense caught up to his defense is when he became all world, right? So you have Kawhi Leonard. Another reason why I like Kawhi because there's that Kobe connection there. And I heard Greg Popovich say this at All-Star Weekend where he told Kobe, please, can you stay in the air, Kawhi Leonard? So that's why that's what that once once Kobe stamped him, I'm, I'm rolling with him. And then, of course, you have Kyrie Irving, right? Kyrie Irving, who is one of the most skilled um, NBA players on the offensive side of the floor uh, at six, three and under in NBA history. Kyrie Irving is, well, Uncle Drew, right? Uncle Drew. So this morning um, I was going through the Internet here and I came across an article from Sports Rush and they were basically alluding to a, a, what is it? A clip that Kyrie Irving posted on his Instagram that we actually want to, uh, what is it that we actually want to share with you because he shared it on his Instagram account. And apparently um, in this post, it's like a minute reel. And in the reel, you see Kobe Bryant kind of pulling off, well, these insane Kobe shots that only Kobe could make. And in the caption or on on the screen or the picture, and he has like foot level, like goat foot level, like um footwork at like a goat level or something like that, right? Basically saying like, this is some goat stuff, like greatest of all time stuff. So that's what Kyrie Irving 
uh, had to say about um, Kobe Bryant's footwork. Now, a few things. Kobe Bryant, you can go look at any video. They will tell you that um, he had no weaknesses in his game. He, he, had, he could do everything. Um, he could absolutely do everything given his size, right? And yeah, Kyrie Irving put Kobe Bryant's footwork goat, right? Um, he could do everything. Absolutely everything. Go listen to Tim Legger talk about Kobe Bryant and he'll tell you he could do everything. But Kobe was such a trendsetter that he said, you know what? I'm so good. I, I'm so good. But you know what? I want to look for ways to get better. So how do I even improve my defense even more? Let me go work out with Gary Payton and ask him to give me some of the tricks of the trade and how to end up to ensure that um, I become an all first team defender. The minute he finished working with Gary uh, Gary Payton, he, he, he started making all NBA first teams. All NBA first teams. Kobe was getting scoring titles and making all first defense teams. Then he said to himself, he said, you know what, man? I know I'm nice, but how do I get even nicer? Like, yo, this is like, I want to take it to another level. He's like, let me go work out with Hakeem Olajuwon. Kobe Bryant took it upon himself to go work out with Hakeem Olajuwon to pick up some of his post moves to work on his post game. This is the reason why, you see, people don't realize this if you never watched uh, um, Kobe in his prime play. If you know anything about um, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson and Tex Winter and these guys, you'll know that the offense that they ran was the triangle offense, right? Quite complicated and simple at the same time. But essentially, what the triangle um, encourages players to do is seek different options within an offense and whenever you do that you now create this triangle on the court right and it's usually involved with a player that posts the ball so whenever you have guys like a Shaquille O'Neal it's easy to run a triangle whenever you have a guys like a Kobe Bryant it's easy to run a triangle or Michael or Michael Jordan and all of these guys these are all guys that can post now you got to ask yourself a question you got to ask yourself a basketball question. Do you know how good? Let me just repeat it one, one, one more time. Do you know how good of a basketball player you have to be? How elite that you have to be in order to run the triangle from the guard position out of the post? Do you know how good you have to be to be able to do that? You have to be an elite post player. When the Bulls are running the triangle, you will see a lot of times they were posting Jordan. It's the very same thing with Kobe. So Kobe said, you know what? I want to improve my footwork and take it to an even higher level. Let me go work with a king. And the Lakers are running the triangle through Kobe or Paul Gasol, posting a guard to run an offense through. Not a guard that has the ball dribbling the air out of the ball, calling a pick, and then coming off the pick and then making a decision to either attack or look for the shooter. No. A guard that you have the point guard bring the ball up or depending on whatever set you're initiating, you can have the, the, the shooting guard come up the court with the ball, hand it off to the, to, the, to, the, um, to the point guard or whatever it is or the small forward or power forward, then post him up and then create the triangle. Pe people that talk about Kobe don't know a damn thing about him. They're just reading stat sheets. They don't know a damn thing about him. Kobe was essentially doing what Michael Jordan was doing. 
I've heard so many NBA players say Kobe Bryant was the Michael Jordan of our era. Now, they're not just saying this for the simple fact of saying it. They're saying it because they're like, wait a minute, this guy can do very similar things to what that guy can do. Now, here's the irony of Kobe working with Kareem or Hakeem. Do you know that Kobe Bryant was the only person that worked with Kareem, Hakeem, that was actually able to successfully get his moves? Do you know that? Do you know the other players that tried to go work with, uh, with Hakeem? Amari Stoudemire, Dwight Howard, and LeBron James. Those three guys went to also go train with Hakeem Olajuwon. Which one of those guys can you say, man, he has an incredible post game? Which one of them? Dwight Howard? No. Dwight Howard does not have an incredible post game. Amari Stoudemire is more of a, um, he'll, he'll, he'll front you, uh, face up with you, square up with you, and then either shoot or attack you. LeBron James is a good post player, but not at the level of Hakeem or Jordan or Kobe. No, he's not. Another reason why I still think Kobe's better. Than, uh, so to me, listen, Kyrie is just describing one aspect of Kobe Bryant. Kyrie Irving has incredible footwork. Kobe had better. I repeat it once more. Kyrie Irving had incredible footwork. Kobe had better footwork. Anybody knows Kyrie? Call Kyrie and ask him. You or Kobe? NBA players are pretty confident. You or Kobe? Who had better footwork? And you'll see what he'll say. Call any uh, call any NBA player and ask them who had better footwork: Kobe Bryant or Kyrie Irving, and they'll tell you. Call any NBA player and ask them who was more skilled: Kobe Bryant or Kyrie. Call anyone if y'all know any NBA players. Some of y'all call them and ask them. Who was more skilled? They'll all tell you it was Kobe. They were all. So to me, listen, um, what Kyrie just presented was just one aspect of one of the three greatest players of all time, in my personal view. I got Kobe in my top three. I'm never coming off of that. I'm sorry. Because if he's coming out of the top three, I got to understand who, who who's, who's taking his place. I got Kareem. I got Jordan. And then that, that's, that's, that's it right there. So to me, this really doesn't surprise me. Kobe was just, he was that ill, man. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. We've been producing a lot of content around ESPN, and there's a few reasons for that. Number one, ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports, so whenever there's news around them, um, a lot of people are, one are, gonna, are going to want to know what's happening with them, number one. Number two, there really haven't been many stories uh, in the offseason. I mean, especially now when we're talking about like August, except, you know, um, you know, yeah, probably except from the ESPN story, maybe one or two other stories. So, you know, whenever ESPN talks is going to be whenever something happens at ESPN is always there was going to make news. And of course, ESPN is connected to, to parent company Disney. So they always somehow find themselves in the loop. Now, ESPN made a lot of headlines because they fired a lot of high profile talent. They used to work at the network to name a few like Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, um, you know, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Max Kellerman, Mark Jackson and a plethora of other people that, that, that were fired from the network. But what happened? Um, as you guys know, Michelle Beadle used to work at ESPN. She spent a number of years there. I think she was on Sports Nation there as well. Um, she was pretty, pretty talented, pretty witty, pretty funny. Funny enough, she was a San Antonio Spurs fan, uh, and she wasn't a big fan of Kawhi Leonard, especially the year he sat out where he didn't play and while he was kind of 
in transition between San Antonio and is and and uh, what is it the Toronto Raptors, right? So I remember some comments that she had about Kawhi Leonard, but a number of years ago she left the network, um, and ever since then she's kind of been doing her own thing. Um, but now now and then she'll kind of comment and give her take on the way things are going at her former place of employment. So uh, this morning I was going through the internet and um, I was doing some research and I came across an article from Front Office Sports. And this article essentially said, in terms of the headline, it says, Michelle Beadle criticizes ESPN NBA countdown maneuvers, right? And I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is interesting because you, as you guys know, uh, they laid off Jalen Rose, who used to be a part of Countdown with Michael Wilbon, uh, Mike Greenberg, and Stephen A. Smith, right? So Jalen Rose is no longer there. And actually, when I read through the article, she made some pretty, pretty interesting points that I want to that we want to get to. So let me get into this article here. Uh, it continues on as on air layoffs and departures reshaped ESPN's basketball coverage. Ex-NBA Countdown host Michelle Beadle says the network's pregame show will never be as good as rival TNT. Beadle, who hosted NBA Countdown on ESPN and ABC from 2016 to 2019, lamented Disney's quick trigger uh, to change hosts as a reason why the studio show lags behind TNT's inside the NBA pregame show and its decade-long continuity of Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, and Shaquille O'Neal. That position and that show has never been allowed to marinate, and it's sort of why you continue to see change, Beatle says. It's unfortunate, and it's why TNT dominates because they're allowed to marinate for a decade, and the product gets better uh, with year after year. So that's my simple take on what I observed while I was there at ESPN. Beatle, who's also co-hosted Get Up and Sports Nation during her eight-year tenure at ESPN, spoke to front office sports while announcing her new basketball podcast with Amazon's Wandery Network. NBA Countdown has to find a replacement this upcoming season for analyst Jalen Rose, who had been on the show since 2012 and was laid off in June alongside ESPN cuts to fellow NBA broadcasters Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. It sucks when layoffs happen. It's a tough conversation that people try to have. I know everyone thinks they understand why these things happen, but I don't think anybody truly gets a Beatle toe front office sports. Since Shaq joined TNT in 2011 and the final mainstay on ES, uh, inside the NBA, NBA, NBA countdown has gone through five hosts who are no longer on the show. The longest tenured current host is Mike Greenberg, who joined in 2021. Malika Andrews has hosted since 2022 alongside current analysts Richard Jefferson, Kendrick Perkins, Cheney Ogukwe, Ogukwe, Mike, uh, Stephen A. Smith, and Michael Wilbon. NBA analyst Vince Carter is expected to have his ESPN contract expire this summer, while Max Kellerman was another casualty of the network's June layoffs. Beatle who calls games on TNT for the San Antonio Spurs in addition to her Wondery podcast, is eager to see her former ESPN colleagues land new gigs elsewhere that could let talent be themselves. I love seeing people that I enjoy and respect and loved working with being released into the wild, Beatle said. And to be honest with you, I most of the time in a more free platform that they can be themselves, which is what I love. So you heard what the article had to say there. There are a lot of things that I want to cover. First of all, I was just watching 
what is it? Not a documentary, but a piece that was done on Disney, right? Now, I'm not living in the States right now, although planning to move back uh, next year, still trying to figure out what state I want to move to. <laughs> but anyway, um, if y'all have some suggestions, let me know. I'm from the East Coast, so y'all let me know. Anyway, um, I haven't been to the States in a while, but I've kind of been following what's going on in the States. I've been more focused on sports content because I'm so immersed in this. But Disney has been going through a lot of uh, turmoil and drama. I watched this this piece and they were discussing how all of the Marvel movies have been bombing. Right. And I remember watching. I think the last Marvel movie I saw in the theater was was an endgame. Maybe it was a movie before that. And I was like. Can, can can a superhero movie get better than this? I'm like, really? Can it? So to, to to hear that you know it's gone from that to what it is now, I'm like, something crazy. Like something is happening. And based on my understanding, a lot of it has to do with political triangulation. And I'm going to get back to ESPN momentarily and kind of tie these two things in. But essentially, in this doc, in this piece that I saw on YouTube, they were discussing that the major shareholder in um, Disney is BlackRock and BlackRock is an investment firm that I think controls close to $10 trillion worth of assets globally. It's insane. It's, it's, it's insane. And funny enough, I Googled the CEO is only worth a billion. I'm like, what? But anyway, or founder, if I'm not mistaken, but anyway, um, and apparently BlackRock has some stipulations where I think it incentivizes some of its companies to have certain things for like um, you know, diversity um, and all of these different things. And I think when it comes to meeting those markers, ESPN scores very high. But I think um, what is it? The byproduct of this is that it, it's 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 turning off some of his viewers. Now, how does this tie back into ESPN? Because Disney is the one is the parent company. Well, she spoke about the importance of being able to kind of say what you think without fear of being scrutinized and things like this. And it took me back to a moment when um, Jalen Rose was forced to make a public apology for simply asking a question on ESPN Airways. What was the question? It was around the Ime Udoka scandal. And um, as you guys know, Ime Udoka was the front guy in that entire situation, although it was a consensual uh, situation. And a lot of people were making all kind of crazy assumptions. Like, for example, um, he was he, he was the authority figure. And no one stopped to ask the question, how do you know he was the authority figure when you don't know who the person he dealt with, who, who the person was that he dealt with? People already kind of jumped to the conclusion. So actually during the episode of NBA Countdown, Jalen Rose had the goal to ask the question, I don't understand why the person who was involved with Emil Doka in this consensual relationship, why isn't her name being publicized and why is it only him? That was his question. Moments later, Jalen Rose was forced to read an on-air apology where he essentially wrote, after doing my research, and I said to myself, hold up, you mean to tell me Jalen Rose did his research on this case during a commercial break? Are you kidding me? No. He was told to make that apology, which goes back to the point that M Michelle uh, Beadle was bringing up, where people at ESPN don't say what they really think. You're forced to kind of dance and play play in this kind of small square right and if you and if you color outside the lines you're going to find yourself making a public apology i was just listening to another report of uh not dan lebitard dan patrick talking about now he feels so liberated and he's so liberated ever since he went out on his own 
So why are so many people saying this about ESPN? Why are so many people saying this about the same person? Another another question. You look at Stephen A. Smith on television. He's loud. He's screaming, hollering, doing all kind of crazy stuff. But when he's on his podcast, he's talking about a range of different things. He's a totally different person. He even curses on his podcast. So why can't you be that person on ESPN? And the question is, who are you? Are you the guy on TV or you're the guy, are you the guy that we're watching on your podcast? Is it the same person or is it a different person? Which one is an act? How do we know? Right? So this is what Michelle Beadle is talking about. Having a, a, a situation in which you can actually be yourself. Now, some people will say, man, this is this is this thing. That's fantastic. I, I mean, it sounds like something ideal. Yeah, to some, but not all, because there are a lot of people that will still love to be a part of the machine and be told what to say and how to say it and what to do. Right. So there are a lot of people that are not looking for that independence. There are a lot of people that like that steady kind of stream uh, coming in. But I thought it was an interesting point. And I just want to say that it's a larger issue. Um, and there are a lot of other forces impacting what goes on at ESPN a lot. Because a lot of the things that you see at ESPN are taking place on a larger scale at Disney, right? And that has its own reasons as to why it's being, why it's, why, why, why things are being skewed uh, in a certain direction. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. You know, before we get into this story, I got to say. It is interesting uh, the things people are willing to spend their money on these days. It's absolutely interesting, man. Like, if for real. It's really, really interesting. Let's get into the story here. So, as you guys know, uh, Stephen A. Smith is the richest man in the world, right? Well, at least that's how he talks, right? Whenever he talks about how successful he is. And he's the most famous man in the world. Well, at least that's how he talks. Whenever he talks about who he knows and all that stuff. I'm just... I'm just playing. But anyway, we know Stephen A. Smith, right? Stephen A. Smith is a very confident guy. He's the face of ESPN. Um, been been that for a very long time. Still is the face of the network, right? One of the highest paid um, media personalities, period. Right? And he has his own show. And he does various things. Now, if you guys know, Stephen A. Smith does have a basketball background. He did play basketball collegially, if I'm not mistaken. But then he suffered a pretty gruesome injury, if I'm not mistaken, to his knee or something like that. He's mentioned it a number of times. But ever since then, he went on to be a journalist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And then from there, I think he covered Allen Iverson. Then he did a bunch of different things. Then he now found his way on uh, ESPN and he left and he came back. And now he's the face of ESPN um, and the the host or the, the, the main person, the boss of ESPN uh, first take. So we know this about Stephen A. Smith. What we didn't know was that Stephen A. Smith was a basketball savant in terms of training and giving potential prospects, you know, the 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 you know the essential skills and information that they'll need to probably make it to the NBA. I never knew this. What am I referring to? Well, there was a story circulating over the past 24 hours. And as I was sitting here like in a malaise, I was a video was recommended to me from, uh, oh God, Too Raw for Sports. Too Raw for Sports, his channel. So the funny thing was, when I saw the story originally, I was too tired to read about it. So I was like, okay, let me see what Too Raw going to say. And then he will explain it to me, and then I can talk about it. So he goes into the video. He's already laughing at the beginning of the video, right? He's cracking up. So I start cracking up because I saw the title. 
And he's explaining it. And then he brought up an interesting fact about Kobe. So what's the story? Some of y'all are like, okay, man, enough with the suspense. Enough with, the, enough with this damn suspense. What's the story? Well, I'm going to read from one source here. There are a plethora of it. The story is essentially this, and we're reading from Sports Keto. Here's the headline. Stephen A. Smith announces a $2,899 one-week-long summer basketball camp at Michael Beasley's former school. TV analyst Stephen A. Smith has announced a once-in-a-lifetime basketball camp at former L.A. Lakers player Michael Beasley's former school, IMG Academy. Smith's camp will be a big step for IMG as they continue to develop their basketball uh, program. IMG Academy is getting loud and providing a once-in-a-lifetime camp opportunity for young athletes with its Stephen A. Smith basketball camp at IMG Academy taking place on August 6th to the 12th. This week-long camp will cost $2,899. It will be a new project for Stephen A. Smith, who has stuck, who, who has stuck uh, to the media business for most of his professional career. That's where he has flourished and most uh, flourished the most and is one of the leading faces of ESPN. Smith is an executive producer and famous debate of the famous debate show, uh, First Take. He also owns multiple podcasts. He's also spreading his wings uh, in the acting business. Here's what Stephen A. Smith said in a press release back in March about the partnership with IMG Academy. To have my own basketball camp associated with IMG Academy is an incredible opportunity for me to share my story and help inspire the next generation, providing advice on what it takes to succeed not only on the court, but also beyond the shot clock. It's something I'm very passionate about. I'm honored that the IMG Academy sees me as someone who can be an extension of its mission to of empowering student athletes to win in the future, preparing them for college and for uh, life. Stephen A. Smith played basketball collegially and couldn't make it. Okay, so that's what the article had to say. I'm containing myself. So, Raw says, hold up. Do you know that this dude's camp costs more than Kobe Bryant's camp? I was like, this is impossible. So I Googled it, and I just pulled pull it up here. I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but this is what I found from the Kobe Bryant Basketball Academy. And it says, um, total package, Kobe Bryant, Kobe's camp, lodging, S plus B tour package, uh, estimated around $1,650, $1, right? Um, and then you did discipline, location, and facilities, uh, insurance, and medical care. And then it shows you the hotel you're going to be staying at. And then it shows you the various activities and blah, 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 and all of these different stuff, right? And whatever, whatever, whatever. You do, you do a whole bunch of things. I don't know if that's exact Kobe package, but that's what I found. But essentially, Stephen A. Smith is charging more uh, than Kobe Bryant to teach basketball. Here are my thoughts. I don't want to sound like a cynic. I truly, truly do not want to sound like a cynic. But I got I, this is cracking me up. It's not even the price so much because the price is crazy. But that's not what's even surprising me, uh, to be quite honest. It's about three thousand dollars, so you're charging people close to what, pa 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 pa, like one one, you know, like yeah, probably hundred and hundred and something. But okay, let's see. He's charging folks two thousand nine hundred dollars divided by six. He's making about no, this can't be right. Four hundred and something dollars. Okay, well anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so he's charging these folks 483 dollars for uh seven days 
folks. People are going to pay for this, all right? People are going to pay for this. Here's what I've learned. If you want to learn about something, anything, anything, this is just my view. I'm not saying that workshops don't work. I'm not saying you shouldn't attend workshops. I am not saying any of that. We've even conducted workshops on public speaking back. We're doing public speaking. I'm not saying any of that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, however, is this. Anything that you want to succeed in, it requires more than five or six days of your effort. I don't believe that you can give someone all they need to know in just five or six days. And even if you do know all you need to know in those six days, or I give you all the information that makes you feel like you need to know, you have everything that you know. If you want to succeed at something, you got to be a student of that thing. So you need to continuously do it. You need to continuously learn. You need to continuously research. I don't care what it is. Number one. Number two, I got to state this out flat out. It is unreal that there are people that are teaching business to people that don't own businesses. How is this possible? There are people that are teaching business to people that do not own businesses themselves. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. It's crazy. Dreamers Pro, we have, what, three or so staff? Does that qualify me to now, now go out there and start teaching people business? Does it really qualify me? Let's be real. You hire four people. Does that really qualify you to teach business? I'm just asking the question. If I want to learn business, I want to learn business from someone that succeeded, that's failed, but at least has staff of 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 people. At least if I'm saying I'm going to be learning business from this guy. For real. If I'm being honest with you, I would sooner listen to business, somebody teach me about business in media. I would sooner listen to Bill Simmons or maybe Clay Travis then I will listen to Stephen A. Smith. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. Because those guys have gone on to build $100 million companies. Those guys have gone on to do it independently. I would rather listen to them first before I listen to Stephen A. I'm sorry. This is not a diss. It's not. Stephen A. Smith, this is the one thing I don't understand. I've never seen somebody so happy to say, man, my bosses and my bosses. Why are you so happy to say that? My bosses, my bosses. Why does that make you feel so empowered? These are my bosses. These are my bosses. I don't understand that. Business people are not looking to find other people to be, to be their boss. Now, I'm not saying that his camp won't work or anything. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that if I'm looking for business advice, I'm going to go to people that do business. Like, that's what you do. This is That's your job. You're a business person. That's what you do every single day. You're paying salaries. You're talking to your accountants. You're dealing with lawyers. You're dealing with unions. You're dealing with different laws that are taking place. You're going to business meetings. You're dealing with different strategies. You're dealing with stealing. You're dealing with waste. You're dealing with uh, 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 markups for various materials. You're dealing with the claims in China. You're, you're dealing with, uh, what, what is it, um, uh, importation taxes. You're dealing with all of these different things. These are the people I want to talk to about business. 
Those people I will sit down and say, man, please, let me talk. Teach me something here. Those people. And I know I can't get everything that I want to know from them in six days. I know that. I would say, listen, can I be your, uh, um, um, what is it, not uh, apprentice? Can you be my mentor? Can you be my mentor? Can you be my mentor? One of the best ways to learn about business, I, from my experience, be around people that actually do business every single day. You will learn more from people actually doing business every single day than you will from reading books because now you're getting that firsthand experience. Take it from somebody, I'm telling you this professional, I'm not telling you this from something I read or heard somewhere, I'm telling you this from something I know. So I'm not shooting any holes in it, but it's hilarious. In 2,800 and something dollars, well, y'all got money to spend. Y'all got, got money to spend, man. I'm not here saying it won't work. I'm just saying that that's just crazy to me. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.